Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is an apostrophe podcast production. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. Auditioning was just getting the better of me. I had used up all my toughness getting to 40 and auditioning. You go on five or six auditions a week, and most of them are all rejections. Ty Burrell. When Ty Burrell was a senior at Hidden Valley High School, he smashed records on the varsity basketball team for most consecutive losses in Oregon State history. It was impressive, actually. And his academic dedication rivaled his athletic prowess. Burrell grew up in Grants Pass, Oregon. He says mostly out in the woods. His mother was a teacher and his father a family therapist, both champions of education. Yet, the Burrells have a unique relationship with post-secondary education. Here's what they do. Attend the University of Oregon as long as it would take to get a degree, maybe even longer, then never actually graduate. His father had done it, his older brother, his younger brother, his sister, and his cousins had all done it. Oh, hang on. One cousin did graduate, though Burrell refers to him as his former cousin, because he made them all look bad, and he paid the price. 
Burrell took it upon himself to uphold such a long-standing family tradition. And in 1987, he enrolled at the University of Oregon. For two years, he says he partied like a barbarian, gained 35 pounds, and spent all of his student loan money on sandwiches and a scooter, essential equipment for a synchronized scooter drill team. Burrell says he pushed the boundaries of how little a person can actually achieve at college and bravely explored the lowest limits of the GPA scale. Then he dropped out. At 21, Burrell found himself utterly rudderless. The only discernible career path ahead of him was becoming an expert slurpee puller at the 7-Eleven. And just when he thought he'd hit rock bottom, he got some devastating news. Shortly after dropping out of college, Burrell's father was diagnosed with cancer. It was earth-shattering. The following year, Gary Burrell passed away at just 49 years old. But in his final moments, he gave his son a piece of advice. He said, I think you should try acting. Ty Burrell said hearing this from his father was completely mind-boggling akin to him saying, I think you should grow another arm. No one in the Burrell family had ever been a performer. The backwoods of Oregon weren't exactly known for churning out movie stars. But as he sat back and reflected on his father's words, Burrell had a thought. He knew that his dad, aside from being a family therapist, was a skilled, fine artist. But it was a talent he'd never really pursued. Perhaps... He wished he'd tried. Burrell remembered being at a dinner party as a kid with his parents and their friends. His aunt told a story about being in a restroom stall next to someone who kept pulling and pulling the toilet paper roll. So young Burrell piped up and said, well, maybe there was a prize at the end of it. The table roared. He said it was like a love bath. And he chased that feeling every day since. Maybe. Just maybe. Between the belly laughs, his father noticed a spark of creativity in his son and chose to fan it before it was too late. Within two months, Burrell was back at the University of Oregon. He walked gingerly into his first Shakespeare class, and by the end of the day, he'd switched his major to theater. It wasn't long before Burrell was cast in his first-ever play, a campus production of Lysistrata. He stepped onto the stage and said he felt a rush he'd never felt before. Suddenly, he had purpose. He would become an actor. Except, alongside the rush was a niggling feeling. Fear. He'd found his calling, but suddenly felt too scared to answer the phone. In a moment of panic, he stayed true to his family tradition. He dropped out of the University of Oregon for a second time and opted instead for a far smaller school, a quarter of the size to be exact, Southern Oregon University. He moved back into his childhood bedroom and told everyone in his circle that a smaller school would allow him to truly focus on the art of theater. 
Burrell later told the New York Times, it takes a very peculiar set of talents to convince oneself that choosing to live with your mother is ambitious. But somehow, he pulled it off. Oh so conveniently, located exactly three minutes down the road from Southern Oregon University, was the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, a renowned and popular annual presentation of hundreds of plays. Burrell accepted the best role he could get, a festival bartender. But after his shift, he'd sneak into the back row and take in all the puck, polonius, and popcorn he could handle. Over the next few years, Burrell survived SOU's rigorous theater program. In 1993, he actually graduated, finally, with a bachelor's degree in theater arts. And it was then that he got an amazing opportunity. A friend of a friend who was a casting director in Los Angeles offered to meet with Burrell, a leg up any budding actor could only dream of. But fear got the best of him. Once again, opportunity called and Burrell didn't answer the phone. In fact, he was becoming somewhat of an expert screener. So, instead of moving to L.A. to follow his passion with a rare leg up from someone on the inside, Burrell decided to, quote, keep digging more into acting as an art form and see how many layers he could pull back on himself. In other words, he was avoiding actually going after his dream. So, he enrolled at yet another school, this time Penn State, where he'd earn a master's degree in fine arts. Incidentally, he did actually do what he told concerned friends and family members he was going there to do. He really dug into acting as an art form and pulled back layers he didn't even know existed. But by the time his tassel moved from right to left, he felt that panicky feeling resurface, later telling the New York Times that after a little research, he discovered, to his horror, there was no PhD in acting, no acting think tank, no heavily funded acting research focused on one day finding the cure for blinking, no more vaguely legitimate ways to delay the inevitable. The idea of enduring the, quote, day-to-day terror of auditioning in order to earn his living was more than he could bear. But at this point, he was sleeping in his van, and he was out of excuses. He didn't move to L.A., despite it being much closer to home. Instead, he followed a girl he liked all the way across the country to New York City. She was a fellow budding actor, except she wasn't avoiding opportunities. She was chasing them with all her might. And for a second time, Burrell was given a leg up. Said lady friend already had an agent and offered to get Burrell a meeting. Burrell said when he was handed a hard-to-get meeting with a New York City agent on a silver platter, he wanted to say no. He was, and I quote, stuck between a rock and an aneurysm. If he turned down the meeting, he'd be embarrassing himself in front of a girl he really liked. If he said yes to the meeting, he'd have to go to the meeting. Equally terrible. Well, the aneurysm won and he made his way to her agent's office in Times Square. To his surprise, it was a legitimate agency. You know, 
the kind that had a listed phone number, a receptionist, and even bottled water with French words on them. As Burrell tells the story, he took swigs of his fancy water to try to cover up his tremors. He laughed along with the agent's jokes and tried not to overthink or overblink. Then the agent leaned in like he was about to drop some sage wisdom. He said, Ty. Yes? I think your features are too big to get work in television or film. You could maybe get work in theater, but you're going to have to shave your arms. Burrell forced a smile that in itself should have proven his acting abilities right then and there. The agent stood up, extended his hand, and said, Why don't you shave your arms and get some new headshots, and we'll talk after that. Sound good? Thanks for coming by. Burrell said, No, thank you. He put his French water down, walked past the receptionist, out the door, back into Times Square, and... soiled himself. You did, in fact, hear me correctly. Burrell stood on the busy sidewalk for a, quote, surprisingly long time before he realized what had happened. He soiled himself in Times Square. But that's not all that happened. As people in taxis whizzed around him, Burrell realized he'd come face to face with the moment he'd dreaded since his very first Shakespeare class. A deeply personal rejection from the one thing he loved and the only thing he could do. And guess what? The world kept spinning. He spotted a McDonald's across the street and uh, shuffled his way over. In the washroom, under the golden arches, he says he tossed his underwear in the garbage. And with it went his anxiety. He says it was as if he'd taken the worst of the business, swallowed it, digested it, discharged it, and thrown it away. He stepped out of the McDonald's back into Times Square and into a completely new version of himself, one who was no longer crippled by fear. Now he was ready to answer when opportunity called. Little did he know, the phone wouldn't ring again for a very long time. Hang on a sec. We'll be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Confident and commando, the new Ty Burrell wasn't going to let fear get in his way. He'd once described the prospect of auditioning as day-to-day terror, But now, he was willingly headed to his first open call. The part was a British character. So, for the previous two weeks, Burrell practiced his lines tirelessly, perfecting his accent on each and every word. They called his name, and Burrell stepped into the casting room in front of a bank of intimidating humans. But as he took a breath before delivering his first line, the casting director leaned over and said, Oh, by the way... We're scrapping the English thing. Burrell panicked, and he proceeded to deliver his lines like what he can only describe as a British person who'd recently suffered a stroke. Not only did he not get a callback, he didn't get eye contact on the way out. Over the following years, he would land bit parts, including partaking in what is widely considered a rite of passage for struggling New York actors. Law and Order. A single episode on the series was Burrell's first role offstage and on set. He says he poured his heart out, drawing from his theater roots and the method to emote as though his livelihood depended on it, making his performance as memorable as possible. Over the next three years, Burrell would land more one-off roles on both Law & Order and SVU. But each time, he says the cast nor the casting director ever recognized him when he walked in the door, with no memory he'd ever appeared on the franchise before. Throughout the early 2000s, Burrell managed to land a few minor roles in major television shows. He appeared in a single episode of The West Wing, where he played a Rotarian concerned about seatbelt laws. He also appeared on the medical drama Nip Tuck, His role? A cadaver. He got himself an agent, but for the better part of a decade, Burrell was rejected for substantial roles. Instead, he played the jerk, the idiot, and the occasional zombie. Interestingly, he says he played a lot of villains in film. His features, and in particular what he calls his Frankenbrow, seemed to lend themselves to evil, so he got turned down for a lot of leading man parts. He auditioned for commercials, but was rejected from every single one. In the meantime, he waited tables, but he was a horrible waiter. And one day, the manager just stopped putting his name on the schedule. There was some good news. At a Shakespeare festival one year, Burrell met Holly, a fellow actress turned girlfriend, turned wife, turned pastry chef. It turns out, for Holly Burrell, acting for a living stopped looking like a real possibility. There was too much rejection, 
so she left the industry altogether. Her husband, on the other hand, plowed on. By 2005, Burrell had landed small roles in films like Black Hawk Down, Dawn of the Dead, and In Good Company, all dramatic parts. But in between, he weathered long stretches of unemployment. He went back to his roots and acted in a few plays, including Macbeth on Broadway and Drunk Enough to Say I Love You at the Royal Court Theatre in London. But those were far and few between. Then Burrell's phone rang. On the other end was a casting director calling on behalf of a man named Christopher Lloyd. You might recognize that name. Not from our Back to the Future episode. Different Christopher Lloyd but from the Lisa Kudrow episode. Christopher Lloyd was a producer and screenwriter who, by 2005, had amassed an impressive CV. Writer on The Golden Girls, writer and executive producer of Frasier, and now he was looking to cast his next hit sitcom. It was a CBS medical show called Out of Practice. But why would Lloyd seek out an unknown actor like Burrell? Burrell flew from New York to Los Angeles for the out-of-practice casting session, and he met with Lloyd. What he didn't know was that just four days earlier, Lloyd had seen Burrell in In Good Company, a film where he'd played a minor role. But Lloyd was a firm believer that there were no small parts. Watching Burrell's scenes, he was struck by his deadpan, zero-affect delivery. He scribbled Burrell's name down immediately and had his casting director for Out of Practice give him a call. Lloyd's assessment of Burrell at the time was this. He was 36 and offbeat. Two qualities that, when in tandem, scare studios and networks. Executives tend to get leery of anyone pushing 40 who has yet to make a mark. It certainly wasn't Burrell's first pilot season, but it was the first one with a glimmer of hope attached. He couldn't afford to stay at a hotel in Los Angeles for too many consecutive nights, so he brought his bags to the screen test. Afterward, he would fly straight back to New York. Burrell passed the first round of auditions. Now he'd have to test in front of CBS executives. Lloyd said watching Burrell wait with all his bags broke his heart especially because he thought CBS would never grant him the part. He had zero experience with sitcoms. But to his utter shock, the network cast Ty Burrell. Burrell would play a sleazy, womanizing plastic surgeon on Out of Practice, who didn't exactly get along with his colleagues. Who would play said colleagues, you ask? TV icon Henry Winkler and a fresh-off-the-west-wing stalkered Channing. Between the executive producer of Frasier, the Fonz, and primetime television's first lady, the series showed promise. They filmed the first season, a full 22 episodes. But only 14 would air. Mere months after the premiere, CBS pulled the plug. The remaining eight episodes were shelved, and Ty Burrell came to the crushing realization this would not be his big break. The following year, Burrell landed only two parts, a TV movie and a few scenes in National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. 
Then the phone rang. It was Christopher Lloyd. But this time, there was another voice on the line. Stephen Levitan. Levitan also came from Frasier. And he directed, wrote, and produced the hit series Just Shoot Me. That year, they'd started a company called Levitan Lloyd Productions. And the first production under their new banner would be a series called Back to You, which had just been picked up by Fox. It would be Kelsey Grammer's first television series post-Frasier, about two squabbling co-anchors of a Pittsburgh news program, played by Grammer and Patricia Heaton. Lloyd and Levitan wanted Burrell to play the program's field reporter, who was not so secretly envious of the lead newscasters. Interestingly, Levitan was once a morning anchorman back in the day in his college town of Madison, Wisconsin. Lloyd said he kept coming back to Burrell because he was extremely funny and inventive, the makings of a star. He just hadn't been properly exploited by Hollywood yet. Back to You would be directed by Jim Burroughs, another name from our Kudrow episode. He directed The Mary Tyler Moore Show, The Bob Newhart Show, Laverne and Shirley, Taxi, created and directed Cheers, directed Frasier, Will and Grace, and Friends, to name a few. If ever a brand new series had the juice, it was this one. And Burrell was all in. The pilot aired September 19, 2007. But by November of that year, the 2007-2008 Hollywood writers' strike began. It would become the longest writer strike in almost 20 years, halting production on Back to You entirely. Three months later, the strike ended and production ramped up again. But it wasn't long before Fox made cuts. The network announced it would not be renewing Back to You for a second season. Kelsey Grammer reportedly tried shopping the series around to other networks, but to no avail. By this point, Burrell was 40 years old, and he had yet to play a leading role in film or television. He'd lost all faith in his abilities. Burrell says acting is like a more severe equivalent of baseball. In baseball, if a batter fails 70% of the time, they go to the Hall of Fame. That's how hard it is to get a base hit. In acting, if you fail 95% of the time, you're lucky to be working two to three times a year. At this stage, his thick skin had been sanded down to a fine veneer. The rejection was costing him and his family too much. He says the small victories would sustain him for a month or two, but five or six auditions per week, all rejections, became too heavy to bear. He found himself taking on theater roles in shows he didn't really believe in, doing 150 performances of a play he was embarrassed by. And that's when he and Holly sat down at their dining room table and had a serious conversation. The couple was considering having children soon, so they started tossing around ideas of other career paths Burrell could pursue. But after every suggestion, they both shrugged and went, No. As Burrell puts it, he isn't burdened with another skill set. 40 sounded like a good chapter break if he were to give it up, a respectable age to throw in the towel. Then the phone rang. 
Here's what Burrell didn't know. While he was knee-deep in a midlife crisis, Lloyd and Levitan were knee-deep in their next big idea. Another sitcom, this time with ABC. It would center on a new kind of family tree, one that branched out beyond your typical sitcom nuclear family, meaning it required an ensemble cast, the patriarch Jay and his younger wife Gloria, along with her son Manny. The son, Mitch, and his partner, Cam, along with their adopted daughter, Lily. The daughter, Claire, and her realtor-slash-amateur-magician husband, Phil, along with their three kids, Haley, Alex, and Luke. Levitan described the Phil character as unrelentingly nice, someone who never stops trying and is a bit of a big kid. Pretty goofy, clumsy, deadpan, and always wants things a little too badly. To sum up, Levitan said, it was Ty. And that wasn't a coincidence, because Lloyd and Levitan wrote the part for Ty Burrell. Casting began in 2009. The co-creators tapped Craig T. Nelson for the role of the family patriarch, but ended up casting Ed O'Neill, a.k.a. Al Bundy, instead, whom Lloyd had worked with previously. O'Neill wasn't in a hurry to get back into television, but he read the script, and Jay was cast. Next, they cast the character of O'Neill's wife, Gloria. They needed someone youthful and energetic. ABC had a contract with an actress named Sofia Vergara and vouched for her vivacity. She nailed the audition. Third, it came time to cast the calamity-prone son-in-law, Phil. That was easy. They'd written the part for Ty Burrell. That's when they gave him a call. Burrell said he'd been tripping and falling in public his whole life. He was a shoe-in. But he'd soon find out, just because a role is written for you doesn't mean you'll land the part. Lloyd and Levitan said it was a slam dunk. Burrell was their guy. But ABC wasn't convinced. The year before, they'd cast Burrell in a series called Foreplay, F-O-U-R, Play, about two best friends navigating romantic relationships while constantly being mistaken for a couple themselves, one of Burrell's many pilots that never saw the light of day. His role, as it was written, was, let's just say, unremarkable. He played the exceedingly dull, straight guy. One executive described the pilot as simply bad. So suffice it to say, with a glowing review like that, ABC wasn't exactly keen to revisit any of those actors. When ABC's former president caught wind of Lloyd and Levitan's casting choice for Phil, he said, You mean the guy from that god-awful pilot we did? The role of Phil was not only comedic, but involved so much physical comedy. And ABC's only memory of Burrell was, well, boring. A dry and immovable piece of furniture in every scene. Lloyd and Levitan argued that it was his role in foreplay that was boring. Dull character did not equal dull actor. But ABC didn't buy it. And they started bringing in other actors. Other famous actors they knew could play the role written for Burrell better than Burrell could. The network offered Phil to Matt LeBlanc. Now, there was an actor with a history of physical comedy. Friends had ended just four years prior, and LeBlanc was available. 
but he turned it down. LeBlanc said the script was good, but he knew he'd be doing the project an injustice if he accepted the role. There was someone else out there better suited. So they made their way down a very long list of prospects, including Joel McHale and David Harbour. Lloyd and Levitan went along with it, because they had to, but they knew those names were just placeholders. They convinced ABC to bring Borel in for a screen test, basically a live performance in a small theater that's completely deadened for sound. No echo whatsoever meant the actor on stage couldn't hear laughs coming from the executives in the audience. It was like performing stand-up to the world's toughest crowd. But Burrell held his breath and stepped on stage. Burrell acted out a scene, alone, with no set, no props, and no other actors. Levitin says screen tests, as they were back then, were actually a silly exercise because there was no screen. It showed the actors in a situation they'd never be in, setting up a lot of talented people to fail, including Ty Burrell. He completely bombed. He was nervous and awkward. He says he played it too broad, too stagey, later adding even he wouldn't have given himself the part. ABC concurred. They reluctantly agreed to keep Burrell in the mix, but implored Lloyd and Levitan to find another guy. What about Rob Cordray? Well, Cordray turned them down. Out of desperation, ABC then brought everyone back for a second screen test, including Burrell. But Burrell says he once again failed to convey the best aspects of the script. ABC declared him not good. And Burrell says his self-loathing agreed. By this point, ABC stopped playing nice. They said, we don't want to see Ty anymore. He isn't appealing, charming, or funny. Please don't bring him back. Burrell once compared the industry to baseball. Well, three strikes and he was out. Eleven weeks had passed of Burrell auditioning, waiting by the phone, and auditioning again. He had turned down other auditions, holding out hope this would be his big break. And yet, there he was, watching every other actor in town take a crack at a role that was written for him. Lloyd and Levitan brought in 232 other actors to try for Phil, but none of them felt right. So Levitan came up with a Hail Mary pass for Burrell. If ABC wasn't seeing what they saw, maybe they needed a different approach, one that set Burrell up to give the right impression. So the co-creators decided to stage a secret screen test featuring Burrell and two of the actors auditioning to play Phil's kids. They'd shoot it and edit it on their own time, then present it to ABC. Both Burrell's agent and his wife Holly advised he turn down the secret screen test, It felt a little ill-mannered going behind the network's back. Plus, Holly was getting concerned that her husband wouldn't survive another rejection. But Burrell went anyway. They shot three scenes in Lloyd and Levitan's backyards, including Phil shooting his son with a BB gun, Phil talking directly to the camera, and Phil dancing to the high school musical soundtrack. Burrell was nervous. He'd already been told he was terrible by several ABC executives. 
and he knew the co-creators were really sticking their necks out for him. They decided to shoot the scenes mockumentary style, breaking the fourth wall. So Lloyd and Levitan, the director, and a small crew they'd assembled worked closely with him, giving him direction while also giving him the space to be himself. The chemistry was instant. But what really struck the co-creators was how Burrell played right into the awkward silences. That was it. The quality that distinguished him from all other 232 actors. Something there was no way he could convey alone in a deadened theater. On a real set, his physical comedy, deadpan humor, and those painful silences worked together like gangbusters. The clock was ticking on casting their leads, so the creators had their editor do a rush job on the backyard scenes over the weekend. The second they were ready, the executive producer grabbed the tape, peeled out of the driveway, and sped straight over to ABC. The executive producer ushered ABC's top executives into a conference room and handed them the tape. He stepped out quickly to use the restroom, and by the time he stepped back into the hallway, he could hear hysterical laughter coming from the conference room. ABC's VP of casting said watching Burrell was like looking at magic happen. The network's head of comedy said it was one of the funniest things he'd ever seen. And ABC's president said he knew, in that moment, he'd been wrong all along. On September 29, 2009, Modern Family premiered, just after Ty Burrell's 42nd birthday. And it became an instant hit, the pilot drawing an impressive 13 million viewers. Unlike Burrell's previous experience with sitcoms, This one was renewed for a second season, then a third, and the TV realtor secured himself a permanent address in Los Angeles. Watching Burrell's magic on screen, the president of ABC made an executive decision to completely overhaul the network's audition process. From then on, they stopped auditioning actors in cold, deadened theaters, but rather on film, where their talents could shine. In 2010, Ty Burrell was nominated for his first Emmy Award. By 2011, he won for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy. In his speech, he thanked his father, whose faith in his abilities carried the actor through two decades of rejection. Despite all the fear, all the nose, and all the soiled underwear, Ty Burrell persisted. 11 seasons, two Emmys, and countless painful silences later, firmly rooting the name Phil Dunphy in the pantheon of sitcom character greats. Fear. It's a recurring theme on this show. Sometimes it's not the fear of failing, it's the fear of trying. Ty Burrell kept going to school to study acting because he could hide behind the degrees. They were convenient ways of putting off the inevitable, that one day he would have to go out there and start auditioning in the real world. 
A looming fear of the unknown can become a huge obstacle in your mind. You start to get in your own way. You begin to sabotage your own success. So often, we hold on to things that hold us back. And letting go is no easy task. Speaking at a convocation ceremony recently, Ty Burrell said that the recipe for unhappiness is when you deny yourself the very thing you crave. When you deny your deepest self that thing you really want to do or try. He told the students it's okay to be afraid, but do it anyway. Because if you can muscle through the fear, you'll discover that the great unknown is not that scary. Yes, you'll still face rejection, but you'll learn and refine and recalibrate. Nothing is easy. Brick walls are tests. They're there for people who don't want it badly enough. They're there to stop other people. If you were to look down on that brick wall from 30,000 feet, you'd see thousands of people on one side of the wall and a handful of people on the other side. But it isn't talent that allowed that handful to break through. It isn't opportunities, and it isn't inside connections. It's persistence. Ty Burrell didn't taste success until he was 42. But when Christopher Lloyd and Stephen Levitin were searching for a funny actor to play a dad, they needed someone in his 40s. And Ty Burrell found himself right where he was supposed to be. After weathering 20 years of rejection, Ty Burrell has won multiple awards and became one of the highest paid actors on television. He said the character of Phil Dunphy was wonderful to play and he loved going into work every single day. And he wouldn't have enjoyed any of that success if he had walked away from acting at the age of 40. Never, ever give up. Gerard Burrell, Emmy Awards, 2. Emmy nominations, 8. Screen Actors Guild Awards, 4. Dance, until your feet hurt. Sing, until your lungs hurt. Act, until your William hurt. Phil Dunphy. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in an Airstream mobile recording studio. We regret to inform you, this series is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Engineer, Jeff Devine. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website, apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. While you're there, subscribe to our newsletter for some fun giveaways behind the scenes and bonus content. Follow us on social at apostrophe pod. If you like this episode, we bet you'll also like Rejecting Nick Offerman, a.k.a. Ron Swanson, from Season 2. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. Hey. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm being completely honest now, okay? Homelessness makes me uncomfortable. But then I think, at least it's not sleeping on the sidewalk with everything I own uncomfortable. Don't let homelessness assumptions get in the way of homelessness solutions. Go to canadacandoit.ca. Help the Canadian Alliance to end homelessness.